Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any bag into motorcycle luggage with this unique strapping system that's easy to use and switch from one bike to another. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding, which has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com That's www.greenchiliadv.com Please hang up and try again. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. It's made in the USA, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. And Motorcycle Consumer News Magazine just chose the Cycle Pump as their top pick in a compressor shakedown. Also, Best Rest is a North American distributor for Google Tech filters, the filters that should be on your bike. Visit them at www.cyclepump.com. That's www.cyclepump.com. Coming up on today's episode of Adventure Rider Radio, we have our exclusive rider skills program and Coach Ramey Stroud has some tips to make us better riders regardless of the experience or your current skill level. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles that's been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. They've got 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can also sign up for their e-rider newsletter. It's free and I highly recommend it. That's www.maxbmw.com. The MotoBreeze chain oiler is powered by wind pressure that automatically adjusts for speed. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers oil to your chain with a felt pad that's mounted on your swing arm, which eliminates the problems of exposed nozzles near your sprockets. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets and forget about the messy spray oil. www.motobreeze.com. That's two eyes in there. www.motobreeze.com. Hi, I'm Sam Manicum. Nick Sanders. Terry Borden. Sandy Borden. Jack Borden. Graham Field. Austin Vince. Jason Spafford. Lisa Murray. David Peterson. Rachel. Ed March. Glenn Hickstead. Dr. Gregory W. Fraser. Dave Barr. Michelle Lampier. Tiffany Coates. Herbert Schmuck. Zoe Cannell. Nathan Millward. Graham Hoskins. Joe Russ. Jeremy Craker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Simon Pavey. Grant Johnson. Robert Wick. Seth Simon. Elizabeth Martin. Carol DeBell. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. You know those days where you get on your bike and things just click. Everything feels good. The shifts are smooth. You're balanced. The bike feels great and you connect with it and you're riding at your best. And then, you know, those other days where you get on and things just don't feel right. Something's off and and often you can't put your finger on it, but you know that you're not riding at your best. Well, nothing changed from one day to the next in your skill level. Nothing changed with the bike. What changed was your state of mind. It's the same thing as when you approach a, maybe an obstacle, if you're riding in dirt or maybe a traffic situation or a road situation, you felt your body stiffen and the fear sort of creeps in. You're worried that something's going to go wrong. You're going to do something wrong. Can you handle it? You likely found that your riding style changed abruptly at the moment that change came over you or your body started to stiffen. Again, nothing external change. Your body's the same. Your bike is the same, but inside something changed. That's your mind shift and it changes everything. So this leads us to realize that we need to not only work on our hard skills to develop our body and our understanding of the mechanics of what we're doing, but we also need to work on our mind and the way that we think and the self-talk that we're giving ourselves as Coach Ramey will talk about on this episode. 
So today on our exclusive Adventure Rider Radio Rider Skills Program, we've got, once again, Coach Ramey back to talk about dealing with the mind and getting the most out of our riding by connecting our mind, our body, our skills, and our knowledge. And now for our Adventure Rider Radio exclusive Rider Skills segment, where we talk ideas and concepts and methods that can help you improve your riding skills. And of course, this segment is not meant to be a substitute for professional training or an endorsement of any particular technique. These are ideas and concepts that if you choose to try, are clearly performed at your own risk. Coach Remy Stroud, welcome back. Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me. It's been too long, really. I'm so pleased to have you back. Uh, it feels good to take a break. Uh, we're right in the middle of our heavy training season, so uh, things are happening um, day after day after day after day here. And so to be able to sit down and just visit with you a little bit, so welcome break. Thank you. Well, we've got quite a bit to talk about today. Where do we start with this? Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about writing to your potential. And um, the reason I, I picked this topic today is um, this summer I've had an awful lot of folks that have uh, come for training and they seem to have maxed out. They've hit a wall. And so we spend a lot of time uh, talking about that and figuring out what's going on with these different riders. And there's some ideas and concepts that have uh, come out pretty routinely. And I thought maybe it would might be interesting to your listeners to hear about them. I've heard this before from people who train, and I think in this one instance, it might have been Walt Fulton, who does um, a lot of road training, a lot of his accordion school. And I think it was him that said that he had a, a person come out and he sort of arrived with, let's just say it was 10 years experience or 20 years experience. And by the end of it, he realized that he actually only had one year experience 20 times. He didn't advance and he didn't realize it until that point. Uh, that's a very, very common uh, thing for coaches to see. And um, it's tough uh, to sometimes deal with students like that because, you know, you give them credit. They've been riding for years and years and years. But the problem is that they've not progressed. Uh, they've basically hit this plateau and then they've just reinforced it year after year after year. And it's that hitting the wall uh, that I want to talk about today a little bit. Maybe, you know, identifying when it's happening to you and what you can do about it. So where do we start on this? Well, um, one of the things that uh, I'd like to point out is um, there are a lot of schools uh, for different kinds of writing all over the world. And I've had the opportunity to teach at a lot of them. And it's it's just been a great experience. And what I've noticed is that each school has its own curriculum. And so you show up and you're either on your bike or their bike, and um, they present their curriculum to you. A lot of them are really great schools with great instructors. And so you go away from that, and you're just feeling really good. You learned a, a bunch of good stuff. And then after a while, you take another class. And maybe over time, you've taken three or four classes. The problem is that these classes are not linear that uh, because they're not connected to each other, there's learning gaps. And so a lot of times folks hit plateaus because those learning gaps are so important 
that they prevent you from going up to the next level. And uh, maybe we could talk about some of those learning gaps today so that your listeners can think about it. Uh, you know, have they hit one of those or they experience it? So when you talk about learning gaps, you're talking about some sort of skill that would be necessary for us to go to that next level. How would you know that you have a gap? How would you know you're missing something? I mean, you, you might go and try something and just fail each time or not be able to do what you want. How do you know that you're missing a component? Well, that's a great question because um, if you rely on instructors in classes to uh, help you develop your writing, then you're you're basically missing a lot of stuff. Um, you don't get to see those instructors every time you ride. You don't get to uh, experience things that those instructors haven't experienced or, or don't know about. So you've got to take responsibility for developing your own training program. And that means uh, doing some reading or watching a lot of videos and talking to other riders and seeing what their experience is and so on. Uh, and then also not being afraid to explain to other people some problems you're experiencing. For example, uh, there are a lot of folks that when they get into um, a stressful situation, either on the road or off-road, that they end up stiffening up on the bike. Uh, they, they just get tight. And part of that is uh, you know, a stress response. Uh, maybe they've got a little bit of adrenaline flowing. And when you get tight like that, uh, your bike's not going to respond to you as efficiently and effectively as it could. Uh, your controls are not going to uh, be as smooth and maybe your steering's not going to be as smooth and maybe your brain's not thinking as straight as it should. So what can you do to be a little more relaxed under stressful conditions? That's a big, big wall that a lot of people never get around. I think a lot of people who, who ride and really push themselves a little bit will sort of get that feeling when they come up to something and they tense up. I mean, I know I get it when I come into something that's technical and it's sort of at the limit of my current skill level. I'll feel myself start to get tense and I have to stop and, and think, if I approach this with this tense body, I'm not going to make it. Yeah, and that's a very, very common reaction to something ahead that's a little scary. Um, you know, you, like I said, you get a little uh, adrenaline flowing through the body and uh, heart rate comes up, respiration comes up, you get tight through the upper body and next thing you know, uh, you know, you can't move around and, and be as smooth on the controls. And when that happens, the suspension's not working, the bike's not working, and it's just not a good situation. So one of the things that we need to think about is if I find myself getting tense, what can I do about it? And one of the things that uh, is real simple, but most people don't really think about, is breathe. You know, if you're holding your breath, that's a red flag. You know, uh, if you can take a breath and let it out and visualize the tension in your body going out of your body with the, as you exhale. In other words, bring in the air, and then as you breathe out, just relax a little bit. And you can do that while you're moving, and you can do it with in real time while you're busy with your brain doing other things. But it takes a little practice, this idea of uh, controlling tension. The, the other thing is it's important to understand where that tension comes from. 
And part of it is about how our brain works. You know, most of the time we're using a part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex to be able to ride the bike. Uh, we're doing it as something called an executive function. And so we're thinking, you know, we're processing and we're moving and we're doing what we were trained to do and what we like to do. But then all of a sudden when that adrenaline hits, the thought process moves to a different part of the brain called the hypothalamus. And and that's the this part of the brain that was genetically programmed a thousand years ago to get away from predators and it causes you to fight, flight, or freeze. And so a lot of times you'll hear these guys say, um, you know, when in doubt, give it gas. Well, that's a form of fight. And it may be that that's not the time to give it gas, but that's the only response they have. The other times they'll just come to a complete stop and they'll say, oh, I can't do that. I won't do that. You know, and that's the freeze part of it. Uh, the other part is they, they don't even go into those situations because they might encounter stress. So how our brain works and how our body works is an important component of learning to ride well. Where do we go from here? Well, we do sort of a, a three-part training program where we spend a lot of time uh, thinking about writing and thinking about what happens to us and trying to create pictures in our mind in advance of writing. And uh, a lot of times we'll do that with independent study. Sometimes we'll give students homework. Um, sometimes we'll do an evaluation ride and figure out what's going on with that individual writer and come up with some specific stuff to work on. And, you know, just what's going on inside your head is really, really important. And most motorcycle training programs are focused on the body. They're not really thinking or teaching uh, about the mental processes. If you want to relax a little bit, you need to come to some level of understanding about what you're facing. Uh, because most people fear the unknown. It's, it's not that it's too tough. It's not that uh, your bike can't handle. It's just that you've never really thought about it before or encountered it. And so it's just like you, know, you put the brakes on. And uh, it's that thought process that deserves a lot more of your time. And the beauty of it is you can do it at home. Uh, you don't need to take a class. There's a lot of stuff that you can do on your own because you're in control of your own training program. Are we talking about confidence? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's the road to confidence. Um, a lot of things that... Uh, we learn, uh, create a base, and then we build uh, from that base. And the more and more we learn about how the bike works and how our body works and and uh, how we make good decisions uh, gives us a sense of awareness that people call confidence. Uh, before we leave knowledge, though, I want to uh, just drop a footnote here. So let's say you've got a, a dream, a goal. Uh, you want to take a big trip. Uh, if you don't know what it takes to to take that trip, you know, what it requires in the way of your bike setup or your equipment or your riding skills, um, that's an unknown and it tends to be fearful. And sometimes it's that fear that keeps you from ever taking the trip. 
So if you'll spend the time building the knowledge base about what other people have experienced and how they've solved problems and how they've been successful, then you can adopt a lot of that stuff for your own. And it gives you that sense of confidence that, you know what, I can do that. I can get those riding skills. I can set up my bike. I can plan my time. I can come up with my budget. I, I can make this happen. And that is how we feed that passion, that fire in our belly that helps us go forward. So whether it's taking a trip or any some other goal, you know, you really need to think about what that goal means to you because it's going to motivate you through the rest of the training process. What if it's not necessarily a hard and fast goal? Like, you know, you're not, you're not going to go on a big trip or, or that's not really your goal. Your goal is just to improve your skills and become a better rider. How do you set that up? Well, uh, there is a concept called progressive loading. And um, let's say that you you really don't know what you want to do. Um, so you can just start exploring, you know, try to experience different things on the bike and Maybe you just take a weekend trip and, you know, how was that? You know, uh, maybe you're hoteling it or camping. You know, how was that? Uh, maybe you're doing logging roads, which are, you know, basically unpaved, uh, prepared surfaces. And how'd that feel? Or maybe you're doing two track or single track or even cross country. You can go, just go out and explore and see how things feel to you and what you like. And then from that base, go to the next level. You know, this was cool. I think I'd like to do that, whatever that is. And then over time, you just start to develop something that you're passionate about, that you really enjoy. Where do we go next? Well, this idea of we're developing our minds and uh, we're developing some uh, systems, but now it's time to create a mind-body connection. So the second step in training is skills training. And one of the things that's really difficult is that a lot of riders don't feel their bodies. You know, um, they'll do something on the bike and, and afterwards I'll say, how'd that feel? And they'll say, great. And I say, well, what, what was going on in your body uh, as you did that? Because I'm interested in wearing their, what muscles they're using, why were they carrying tension, where's their balance points, how hard are they working. And they won't be able to answer. They'll just say, oh, I, I just did it. Uh, and it reminded me of some coaches I've had in the past where maybe uh, we'd be working on a, a corner. And the coach would say, all right, you come in here, uh, you're standing there, sit there, shift there and you know, eyes up through the turn and so on. And, um, you know, let's overlap breaking gas. And I'll say something like, well, why are we doing that? And they'll say, oh, don't worry about that. Just do it. And, you know, the good coaches and I learned to do stuff, but I never learned why we were doing it. I just learned how to do it. So the problem was then now I get on a track where, it's a different turn. You know, maybe it's a different radius, a different surface, maybe it's off camber, whatever. And, and that now I'm trying to apply the same technique that I learned, but because the, the situation is so different, it's not working for me. I'm not able to adapt, to, to modify. So it's really important to know, you know, how 
and why we do stuff. Well, with our bodies, sometimes when we don't feel them, we don't understand that, you know, maybe we're not using the, the right muscles at the right time. And that means we're working too hard. We're over recruiting. The other thing is that sometimes we end up with balance problems because we're not doing it right. We're, we're used to walking or maybe running or climbing stairs, but on a bike, things are changing and we need to start thinking about, you know, not only uh, pressure in our feet, but we also need to think about something called vestibular balance, uh, uh, our inner ear and uh, something called proprioception, you know, where, where our body is in space. And so we need to be able to connect with our body. And the easiest way to do that is on the motorcycle, on the center stand or on a box with the engine off. The idea is that if you can't feel the bike um, standing still, how are you going to be able to feel the bike when you're moving? Mm. You know, yeah. and especially if you're on rough terrain. In other words, it provides this protected environment where you don't have to worry about dropping the bike or crashing or traffic or anything else. It's just you and your bike. And... You know, when I do this, how does it feel? And and a perfect example uh, is going from a seated to a standing riding position. If you watch most riders, they will pull themselves up with their arms and upper body. Well, when you do that, you tend to lose fine motor control on clutch, throttle, and brake. And if you happen to hit a bump while you're pulling yourself up, you tend to get thrown back and it tends to roll the throttle on and the bike squirts out from under you. And, you know, it's uh, called a whiskey throttle or wild throttle problem. So is it possible to go from a seated to standing position with your arms out to the side instead of on the handlebars? Can you just do it with your body and not your arms? Well, I know you actually can because you've taught it to me and you've taught it to us as well <laughs> about, yeah. about pivoting forward. Yeah. I mean, you do it every time you get out of a chair, but a lot of people don't relate getting in and out of the chair to motorcycle training. And so they have a totally different way of standing up on a bike as they do from standing up from a chair. Well, if you can just visualize standing up from a chair on your bike, then all of a sudden it keeps your hands soft on the handlebars. And the other kinds of movements on the bike, if you're standing up, um, how far forward can you go without holding yourself up or how far back? Uh, another example of, of why this is important, you watch riders climbing a hill. And um, you know, halfway up the hill, uh, if you just ask yourself a simple question, what would happen if they let go of the handlebars right now? The answer would be most of them would fall off the back of the bike. They're hanging on to the bike through the, the handlebars and through their upper body. They haven't learned to come forward into a gravity-neutral position to be able to stand on the bike and keep their, their hands soft while going up a hill. You can do that uh, you know, in static training and get a sense of what it feels like. Uh, there's just so much you can do uh, when you don't have to worry about traffic or crashing. The other thing is that 
a lot of our muscles are not well conditioned. And so there's a lot of exercises that you can do on a static bike uh, to make it into sort of a gymnasium, uh, you know, your your own uh, universal training rack. And, uh, you know, this is especially good if it's during the, the winter and it's snowy and icy outside and you can't ride anyway. You know, just park your bike on a center stand and use it as, a, you know, your gym out in the garage. You know, crank up the radio and get out there and do some work. So we do a lot of this stuff statically. And then we get on the bike, we suit up and go out and then try to recreate those same feelings that we felt in static training while the bike's moving. And, and what happens is a lot of people just get so tense that they can't feel what they felt with the engine off. And as soon as you get tense, you got a problem. You, it's just you're not moving on the bike well and, and you're not letting the bike do what it was designed to do. And it's that tension that stops a lot of riders from progressing. It's the wall they hit that keeps them forever stuck at that level. And so if you can learn to control the tension in your mind and the tension in your body, then you're ready to progress up to through the rest of the stairway. So that's KSA. That's, that's knowledge, skills, and abilities was the last one. Well, the abilities uh, is um, back to that thing I was talking about with, with our brain uh, and uh, being able to uh, ride the bike using some the prefrontal cortex, you know, the thinking part of the brain and not the reacting part of the brain. Uh, sometimes we've got to test our new training, our new skills, our new knowledge under pressure, uh, light pressure. I mean, not not crazy pressure. And so uh, maybe I will set up a, an enduro course and uh, let's see you get around that course without putting a foot down, without dabbing. Or if it's more advanced, uh, let's see if you can do this course in this time frame. And at different levels, we've got different time frames. Or if you're ready to advance, let's take you up to the next level of enduro course. And, and I mean, we can go all the way up to extreme enduro if, if that's your level. But the idea is that you're there not to compete, but you're there to test your training, your mental and physical training, and to be able to apply the things that you've just learned. And then chances are when you get out into the real world under real stress, you're going to be able to just perform, 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 and not react, react, react. So proactive versus reactive is what the third level of training is about, this, this application phase, the ability uh, to, to get the job done. So how would that translate to someone who's not a racer, someone who's looking to increase their skill levels? Oh, it's a direct translation. Actually, it's no translation at all. It's the same thing. The difference is that maybe their goal is to go fast or go long or, or to do something extreme, whereas your goal may be uh, you know, not quite so aggressive. But the reality of it is that you've got your own roadblocks, your own walls that you're hitting, and you're just trying to figure out ways to get around them and move up to the next level. So if you find yourself in any writing situation getting tense, 
you know, that's the time to stop for a minute and think about it. Why did I get tense? What's going on? Is it mental? Is it physical? You know what? And then ask yourself, what is it that I can do about it? And then practice. You see, for me, the the two words that, that are used interchangeably that are not is training and conditioning. For me, training is the acquisition of new knowledge and skills, but conditioning is applying the new knowledge and skills over and over and over so that they become automatic, so that they become easier. So once you take a class, it's up to you to go home and practice what you learned. And so you train and you condition. And then you go back and you train at the next level and you condition at the next level. And you just keep working your way up the stairway over time. We're going to take just a quick break to thank a couple of sponsors to help bring this episode to you. And remember, it's, it's making the show. So listen to what we have to say about them and maybe check out their products. I'll be back with more with Coach Ramey in just a few minutes. Well, down in Kansas City, Missouri, a small shop is turning out unique bags for us adventure motorcyclists in particular. Pannier bags, um, tail bags, you've seen all the other bags out there, but Off-Grid Moto is churning out some really cool looking bags. They're not only functional, but they'll transform the look of your bike into something more original. Um, Off-Grid Moto designs and manufactures adventure-specific motorcycle luggage. They make them in the U.S., totally manufactured on site, as I said, down in Kansas City, Missouri. And one of the advantages of uh, manufacturing on site is is quality control. That's that's really important. Start to finish, the people that are making it are the people that own the company. Um, as a matter of fact, are the people you talk to when you're dealing with them, and and that makes it possible for them to not only make sure that everything that goes out is up to their standard, but it also allows them to make changes. So there's there's huge advantages to a small manufacturing site. And when you're dealing with off-grid moto, like I said, you're dealing with the people who actually sew the bags. They know what they're talking about. Kind of like going to a a farmer's market, I think, and, and buying the food from the people that dig it from the ground. It's, it's you know, the real deal. So Off-Grid Moto makes a set of panniers called their Chadwick panniers, which I, I think is sort of their flagship bags. Super tough. They're made from 1,000 denier fabric with uh, a two-layer water-resistant coating, a DWR coating, uh, water-repellent coating on the inside, or sorry, on the outside, and an inner polyurethane water-resistant coating. They've got a, a slew of straps sewn to the Molly system, which means that you can add other bags, even if they're di- manufactured by different companies, as long as they're sewn to the Molly system or anywhere close, you can strap them on. This is really big for us uh, adventure riders because you often will change your load and it gives you all the options of being able to add things on whether you want bottles on the outside, the whole bit. Anyway, drop by their website, check out the bags that they're making. Really good looking bags, www.offgridmoto.com. And when you talk to them, email, whatever, make sure you mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. The website again, www.offgridmoto.com. Well, IMS Products has been making hard parts for motorcycles since 1976, which tells you a lot of things, really. You can't stay in business that long unless you're doing something right. And something else I I read not long ago, and I I think I've said it on the show before, but I think it's uh, uh, virtually every 
every rider that's won in any sort of off-road race is using some sort of IMS product. Again, that says something. But, you know, you can just take it from someone who rides with them like me. I have their IMS pegs on my bike. Um, absolutely love them. Ask around. IMS has a top quality reputation for the hard parts they make. And you can tell when you look at the foot pegs that they make because there's so much into them from the design to the materials they use when they make them. And the end product is not only well-designed and super tough, it actually looks great on the bike as well. So drop by their website, have a look at their pegs. They've got a full line of adventure pegs for us adventure motorcyclists from the ADV pegs right on through to the rally and core, depending on what you're up to. And if you're trying to decide on pegs, the ADV1 and the ADV2 pegs are probably more for somebody who spends most of their time on the street and maybe hits some fire roads or some logging roads and things like that. The teeth on the pegs are not as sharp, so they're a little bit easier on your boots. But if you want to get into the more hardcore stuff, you want a smaller peg with a better grip, they've got those as well. And one of the design things they do with these is they use sort of a double tooth setup. Instead of making one big sharp tooth, they put two teeth side by side and they've managed to just sort of offset them slightly in a way that they give you tons of traction on your boot without chewing your boot apart. Anyway, drop by the website, have a look, www.imsproducts.com. And anytime you're dealing with them, please just throw it in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. That helps us out. www.imsproducts.com. Okay, are we ready to do a recap on the steps? Sure. Uh, One of the things that's really important is to realize that where you're at right now, physically, mentally, and and emotionally on the bike, is your base. It's your baseline. And that if you want to get better, those are that's the goal you're shooting at. And so your training program connects those two points. And I visualize that connection as being the stairway that you're going to go up the steps at whatever pace you've got time for or motivation for. uh, And you're going to work your way up to being a better rider slowly. And it's up to you to figure out, you know, what it is you need to learn. And you use all of the resources that are around you to, to answer that question. What do I need? What's next? Where am I going? Or that missing component, you know, what is it that I'm missing? What what skill am I lacking here to do whatever it is I want to do? It, exactly, because you may not realize yourself. Uh, like this tension thing, most people don't realize that the tension holds them back. And so they, they don't work on getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is that they may not realize that there's a lot of different postures on the bike. And that you got to practice each one for different situations and that they all work together in combination. Um, There's just so many different things that are possible on the bike, but you've got to you've got to learn about them and then uh, be able to uh, get somebody to teach you to do them. And then you got to go out and practice, practice, practice. Uh, The next thing is the idea that when we're training, We start with the easy stuff, and then we move to more complex. Uh, For example, um, you know, we think about warming up. You know, just like our tires, uh, you know, they they really don't work well until you build some heat into them. Our our bodies are the same way, our muscles. And so 
you know, when you're you're going to practice a little bit, you know, maybe it's in a 30 minute period before you're going to go meet your, your riding group to go do something, you know, just start slow, you know, start on the ground, do some stretches, you know, get your, your body connected, get on your bike, you know, statically do some stuff on the bike and then start the bike up and, and do some warm up exercises. And this idea of of uh, easy to complex uh, works not only day to day, but it also works in, in the sense of your overall training program that you start at the bottom and that stairway step is easy and the next one's a little tougher and a little tougher and at the top it's more complex and, and you're building your, your system. The other thing is that it's critically important for you to train your brain. You know, we think about training our body, but you got to train your brain to ride. And the idea is that I'm working on being proactive and not reactive. I'm working on not having a fear of the unknown because I know more. The more I know, the less I'm going to be afraid. And that is about stress control. The other thing uh, that goes along with stress control is that the there are some little tricks, physical tricks, that if you do get stressed out, you can get rid of that stress. And I, earlier we used the example of, of breathing. Don't hold your breath. Use your breath to release tension. There's a lot of other tricks out there too. So the idea is that you can do all these things in some sort of program that you design for yourself and that you're responsible for. Okay, now do we have an exercise for the listener? Well, we do. Um, there's something in, in sports psychology called the guided imagery. And uh, it's a sort of visualization. I mean, there's a lot of studies out there that have said that uh, the athletes that will visualize performance over and over and over again uh, will improve sometimes faster than those athletes that only do the physical practice. In other words, if you'll combine this mental visualization or guided imagery with physical practice, that you'll be able to progress faster and, and better. So let's say that you're going through your normal day and um, you got a few minutes and you can just get off by yourself you know, and a lot of people might call this daydreaming, but the reality is, is that keep the idea of riding a motorcycle better and differently in your mind constantly. You know, you take a few minutes and you're visualizing climbing a hill or descending a hill or making a turn or going through the twisties up in the mountain or across the sand at the beach that uh, you just visualize, visualize, visualize all you can and just get in the habit of making it a part of your day. The other thing is realizing that sometimes we need to adjust our priorities. For example, with the racers, when they start out in the mornings, they're at their top of their game. So they're strong, they're hydrated, they're refreshed, and they are just hauling. But then as the day goes on, they're getting tired and they have to make adjustments. And 
maybe midday they're not going quite as fast as they were at sunrise. And so if they're trying to push, 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 they're setting up the potential of crashing. So we constantly tell them to adjust to your situation. You know, do your micro recoveries, you know, get it back. But until that happens, adjust, adjust, adjust. Well, you do the same thing. You know, that if you've got uh, you know, some training in mind and you've got a schedule in mind and then all of a sudden, you know, something happens with the family or at work, uh, you know, adjust your training schedule around that and then get back to it as quickly as you can. If you're on the bike and you just, you're not feeling good, adjust. You know, try to ride to your potential at that moment and realize that you're, you're not going to accept it, but you're going to try to work your way back to full fitness and, and riding whatever you want to do. You know, same thing if you're on a trip. Uh, maybe day one, two, or three, you're feeling great, but four, five, and six, you're kind of in a little down. Uh, that's normal. You know, we get get started, and then we got to kind of rebound, and then we get back into the zone. You know, adjust, adjust, adjust. The last thing I want to leave you with is this idea of being passionate. You know, your passion for writing, whatever kind of writing is you do, is gas in your tank. I mean, it's it's the fire in our belly. So tap into it. Constantly remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. And if you do that with magazines or videos or or maps or, you know, whatever it is that, that you're using to visualize your goal, you know, keep it out there, put it on the wall, you know, constantly be thinking about what it is you want, because that will constantly drive you through your, your own training program. And, you know, we're not talking about all day, every day, but some kind of routine system that keeps you on the bike, keeps you working, keeps your mind open. So passion is power. Tap into it. So anyway, we're talking about simulator training and static training. One of the things that's really important there is um, this idea of uh, overcoming something we call performance anxiety. And um, you got to ask yourself, who's the boss here? You know, who's running the show? And it's, I'm on the bike, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And the bike is an extension of my body. And uh, if you are responding to um, the bike itself, uh, rather than the bike responding to you, it's time to kind of reverse that. And so one of the best ways to do that is, is statically. You know, that you can start to visualize that instead of muscling the bike around, forcing it to do what you want to do, that you're inviting movement. And the way you would do that is to just go through the control sequences and the body mechanics, the position changes, as if the bike were moving. Now, it's, it sounds a little weird, but it's kind of like a, a dancer practices the moves. But the, the key is to keep your mind engaged. You know, when you decide you're going to do something, then make it happen sequentially on the bike. 
when you decide that you're not going to do something, then bring the bike to a safe halt. The idea is that you are constantly in control of the bike and that the bike is not in control of you. Now, we've talked a lot about development, uh, uh, mental skills. We've talked a lot about static training and mind-body connection uh, with a bike. We've talked about skill training uh, on a moving bike. Um, But one of the things that's critically important is that how do you know you got it? And that's where you got to kind of do some testing. And uh, the idea is you want to be able to answer the question, have I hit the mark? Did I I get it? And uh, the way that we do that sometimes depends on what what our motivation is if you're one of these people that are self-motivated and that your your ideas yet you just want to get better then you don't need to do it in front of a crowd you know you can go out and set up your own little trials course or you know your own little trail course and you can just test yourself can i get around this course without dabbing can i do this with a little bit of grace uh, am I feeling really comfortable? And then, you know, go out for a ride and see how it feels. But if you're the kind of person that is extrinsically uh, motivated, that you need to, you know, have some outside folks watching and giving you praise, which is okay, then you need to figure out uh, where you're going to go test yourself in in front of a crowd. And maybe that's you know, at a rally or maybe even it's in a like competition someplace. But at some point in time, you need to test yourself. And and if you don't hit the mark, that's okay. Uh, that just tells you that you need to stay on that level a little bit and work a little harder before you progress. So this idea of KSA is you're building your mind with knowledge, you're building your skills, and then you're building your ability to perform in the real world. KSA really works. When you mentioned about sort of rehearsing things in your mind, I've read similar research about this, and they put um, pickups on the body where they can tell when the muscles are firing, basically. And when they get these athletes in and they, and they imagine what they're doing, apparently the brain is firing all the same synaptic connections that it would while they're doing it. In other words, the brain doesn't know that they're not really doing it in a way. And that way it, it creates a bit of a memory map, doesn't it? Your body maps it physically, whatever motion it is that you want to do. And that is supposedly what is behind this visualization that improves performance. Yes, um, the same scientists are able to also uh, look for changes in the neural pathways. And um, you start to create these synaptic connections that uh, uh, they can actually measure the difference between pre-training and post-training. And uh, the, what the theory is now that the changes in the neural net is uh, what creates uh, reflex responses that... Uh, you can just do things automatically without a lot of thought, um, like a like a reaction, uh, with this sort of visualization and with some physical training. But the idea is that if you train the body and not the mind, you're only getting half the picture, uh, and you're only doing half the job. If you train the mind without the body, you're only doing half the job. You got to do both. So keep your mind engaged, 
keep your body engaged, let them work together in a mind-body connection, and then make that connection with the bike. And, and that's what training's all about. So the great thing about this is even when we're not riding, we can still be riding. Absolutely. You know, we can daydream, but don't do it while you're driving. Coach, thank you very much. My pleasure, and I, I look forward to the next time we're together, Jim. It's been fun. And that, of course, was Coach Ramey Stroud. You can find out more about Coach and what he does at his website, www.ridecoach.com. Now, he also provided us with a PDF of um, this episode, so you can find all his instructions on our website in the show notes for this episode. So just drop by www.adventureriderradio.com, go to the show notes for this episode, and on there you'll find a PDF. Just click on it and download. I just want to remind you this episode was made possible for you today in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com, Green Chili Adventure Gear at www.greenchiliadv.com, and Moto Breeze Chain Oilers, www.motobreeze.com. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and of course to you, the listener, because it wouldn't work without you, obviously. Anyway, um, the show notes for this episode have the PDF in it I mentioned on there. Make sure you drop by and check it out. Hey, we got a lot of stuff on the website, and if you like this episode that you heard, we've got a lot more just like it. Drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio.com, and all the episodes and show notes are there for you to go through. There's, there's quite a bit to see. Also, we have our other show that we do once a month called ARR Raw. It's available as well, but it's a separate subscription, so you subscribe separately. All of them are free, of course. You, you just click on them and listen, and you can download them anywhere where you find podcasts. Matter of fact, you find a place where they're not listed let me know because i want it listed there but i think you'll find us in in every spot anyway well now it's uh it's time to get out there and ride your bike my name is jim martin this is adventure rider radio thanks for listening see you next week Wait, 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 before you go. Hang on, one more thing. I just want to mention that the show was built on a model of advertising and listener support to make the thing work. So we would love it if you would drop by the website and consider supporting what you're listening to here and helping us produce these shows and even better shows down the road. www.adventureriderradio.com forward slash support or just go to the website. You'll see the support button. But anything $10 or more is going to get you a sticker for your pannier or whatever, uh, your toolbox or whatever. Um, anything $50 or more gets you a mention on our rock show and we would love it if you consider the patron option which which gives us that monthly um, commitment that you're saying hey I'm going to give a dollar five dollars twenty dollars five hundred dollars (laughs) whatever once a month and we would love it if you consider that but if you don't want to or can't that's fine too we're going to produce it for you and you can listen to it Um, but uh, anyway we really appreciate that you considering it anyway time to get out there and ride your bike Hi, I'm Helge Pedersen with Globe Riders, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 